Excuse me. Script, <coughs> scripture reading for this morning's lesson will be from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all in the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. morning. It is a blessing to be together this Lord's Day. We are thankful for the presence of each and every one here, especially those that are visiting with us. We hope that you can come back and uh, join us at another time, and we hope that you will get to stick around after the conclusion of our services this morning to stick around and visit a little bit so we can get to know you better and you get to know us better as well. Over the, since the start of this year, we have been in the midst of a series on the gospel. The gospel is for all. And we have looked in trying to define what the gospel really is. And then we have gone back throughout the Old Testament a couple of times to look at how the gospel was preached to Abraham, the Apostle Paul said, and that we looked at the nature of the gospel is that it is God's word and God's promises and God's faithfulness to fulfill those promises. And that Abraham believed God. He believed the good news that came about from God and his promises. And we looked at the book of Isaiah last month to try to glean from that a better understanding of the plan that God was going to fulfill through the Messiah, through the Savior. And this month, we want to look at Luke chapter 2. Because in Luke chapter 2, in the birth of Jesus, and what we learn there, if you will continue reading with me in verse 8, after we have had the first seven verses read for us, if you would read with me in verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel that appeared to the shepherds, he said, I'm proclaiming to you good news. Uh, there is something good for you to hear. That's the idea of the gospel right there. And these shepherds, they were the first people that we know of that were able to hear the proclamation of Jesus and who He really was. Besides Mary and Joseph and their families that might have known some about who Jesus was and the child that was to be born, these shepherds, the first to know about the gospel, the good news that was being proclaimed. 
And as we have tried to show is that the word gospel, it was not just a Bible term. It is a word that was something that was used throughout the Greek culture and Greek society. Oftentimes it might be used by a herald who was sent by the king to pronounce something. Or as one uh, proconsul in Asia, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name this morning, but his he said this about Caesar Augustus, that whether the birthday of the most divine Caesar is a matter of greater pleasure or benefit, we could just justly hold it to be equivalent to the beginning of all things. And he has given a different aspect to the whole world, which blindly would have embraced its own destruction of Caesar had not been born for the common benefit of all. You see in just this proclamation here, that they are thanking Caesar Augustus for being born. That he, they, they had this notion that he was also divine. You can see that. If you continue on in the second paragraph, whereas the providence which divinely ordered our lives created with zeal and munificence the most perfect good for our lives by producing Augustus and filling him with for the benefaction of mankind, sending us and those after us a Savior who put an end to war and established all things. And whereas all who had anticipated, or, or see, I think I skipped a line there. And whereas Caesar, when he appeared, exceeded the hopes of all who had anticipated good tidings. That's the word gospel in the Greek. And whereas the birthday of the God marked for the world, the beginning of good tidings through His coming. What I want you to see is that the language of gospel and how it was used, it, even talking about a human king, a human ruler, you have this, these descriptions of a Savior, of peace, that He's going to put an end to war. Gospel, good tidings. That This was not at all uncommon what Luke is using and how he is describing Jesus, but there is something very unique about Jesus. And that He is going to be a King that is above all other kings. That He is the Savior of all people, not just His empire that He is building for Himself, but He is going to be the Savior for all people. And no angel and chorus of angels would appear at the birth of Caesar Augustus or for his empire. But angels pronounced the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And so what we see in the shepherds and the pronouncement of the good news that Jesus is born what I want us to see is that they had an encounter that is not at all strange or uncommon even to us. Yes, they had angels appear to them that announced this. But the essence of what was told to them was not peculiar just to them. Because they heard the good news about Jesus. In verse 11, it's very clear that they heard who Jesus was. That he says, and for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ 
the Lord. The idea of Savior is that He is a deliverer. In Matthew chapter 1, we learn there in Matthew chapter 1, is in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, that she will bear a son and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Jesus came to save those who are sinners. And the shepherds heard that. In their first encounter with the good news of Jesus Christ, they heard that Jesus is a Savior. Even whenever He was a baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, He was declared and pronounced to be the Savior of all mankind. That's what we are trying to preach and teach people even today. As we talk about Jesus, not that He was just, just that He was born, but that He died and that He was raised from the dead. We pronounce that Jesus is our Savior because of that. And this title of Savior, it associates the, the idea that Jesus had a mission, that He came here to accomplish something. We don't just adorn Him with this title for no reason. But we give Him a title because He had a mission. He had a purpose to come, to accomplish. And that was to save us from our sins. The idea that Jesus is also the Christ. That He is the Messiah, the Anointed One. Those are all uh, terms that we could use to describe Christ. Under the Old Covenant, you would have Prophets and priests and kings that were anointed with oil. They were literally anointed. And as Luke is presenting Jesus for us in His birth, here He is Christ the Lord. That is how Luke is trying to get us to understand who Jesus is. And he connects that with the promise of David. That God had made a promise to David that one of his descendants would sit on the throne. And earlier in Luke chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 and 33, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That this Jesus who has been born, He is a Savior and He is the Anointed One. He is anointed to take the throne. He has been appointed by God. And He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will also be associated as our Lord. That on that fateful night, when the angel appeared before the shepherds, proclaiming that Jesus had been born a Savior, Christ the Lord has been born. The idea of Lord is a title that it recognizes position, rank, and authority. And it was after Jesus had gone to the cross and had been raised up from the dead that Jesus took all authority. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, you'll remember very well what Jesus said to the apostles and Jesus came to them and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus assumed 
all authority. He assumed the title and the position of our Lord. So far you can see that the shepherds there in Luke chapter 2, when they first heard about the birth of Jesus, it was not at all something different than what Peter and the apostles said in Acts chapter 2, for instance. If you will, turn with me to Acts the second chapter. In Acts chapter 2, in that Pentecost, after the resurrection of Jesus, in Acts chapter 2, in that first gospel sermon that Peter proclaimed, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Peter said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. That is exactly what the shepherds heard that night that Jesus was born. Now, some 33 years later, the people that were there at Pentecost, they are hearing the same exact message. They are hearing the good news about who Jesus is. And that is why throughout the book of Acts, we learn that Jesus is the Savior. In Acts chapter 5, in verse 31, Peter says in the apostles, He is the one whom God exalted to His right hand as a prince and a Savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. That Jesus came here to provide forgiveness, salvation from our sins. And He is a prince. He is Lord. He is Christ. He is a Savior. Nothing is at all out of character or out of sync with what was proclaimed that fateful night. You also learn later on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, as the Apostle Paul is preaching in Antioch of Pisidia, in Acts chapter 13, in that sermon there in the Jewish synagogue, Jesus, Paul said in verse 23, talking about how Jesus fulfills the covenant that God had made with David. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. What we see in the message that the shepherds heard they heard the good news about Jesus. They heard and they found out who Jesus of Nazareth is. That He is our Savior. He is our Christ. And He is our Lord. That gives us a better understanding, I think, about what the Gospel is. That is good news to hear. That is an announcement, just as in those earlier quotes that we looked at, about a Roman Caesar who had been born, or who had established peace in his kingdom. That Jesus, on the night that he was born, we hear about who he is, we learn about his identity. And that is what should give us faith. When we hear the Gospel preached, when we learn about who Jesus is, that is what should instill faith in our hearts. That's why the Apostle Paul was able to write in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. When we hear the Gospel preached, 
when we hear it taught, when we understand who Jesus is, then we have heard the good news. And turning back to Luke chapter 2, what we see in the response from the shepherds, that as they have come to find out who Jesus is, notice how they responded in verse 13. It says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. The appropriate response when we learn about who Jesus is, just as the angels did, and I'm certain that the shepherds were doing as well, they were praising God. When we find out who Jesus is, when we come to appreciate who He is, that He is the one who brings forgiveness of sins and has ensured that we can be in a right relationship with the Lord. It is a reason to praise the God of heaven. But not only did the shepherds hear the good news about Jesus, they also went to see Jesus. Notice as we continue reading in Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 2 and in verse 15, says, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. I love the description that Luke uses there as he is recording the words of the shepherds. Let us go straight to Bethlehem. Don't, don't waste our time. Let's hurry up. Let's go. In verse 16, so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby. They went in a hurry. They did not waste any time. They wanted to see Jesus after hearing about who He is, that the Christ has been born, our Savior has been born, the Lord has been born. They went to find Him. There is some significance in that. How many people have heard about Jesus but don't take the time to go look for Him and go find Him? How many people hear about Him but choose to do nothing about that news. Not these shepherds. They heard about Jesus and they wanted to go see Him. And throughout the course of Jesus' life, there would be many people who would go and seek Jesus. Now they wanted to just come as close as they could to Him. And... Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 9. Perhaps the one occasion that you just get this idea of someone who just wanted a glimpse of Jesus. A woman that had been suffering for 12 years with a hemorrhage. 
In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20, a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. She just wanted to be so close to Jesus that she could have healing. She knew that Jesus could heal her if she just got close to Him. Think about all the lepers that would come to see Jesus. Early on in Jesus' ministry in Mark, the first chapter, Mark records for us in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, how a leper came to Jesus beseeching Him and falling on His knees before Him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him and said to Him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left Him and He was cleansed. Luke, Mark also tells us in chapter 2 of a man who is paralyzed. And how he was being carried by four men and they were unable to get close to Jesus because of the crowds. And so they got creative and they got on top of the roof and they let him in. Find some good friends like that, by the way. People that will help you get to Jesus. And we learn a great deal in that context about Jesus and His power and His authority. But what all of these people had in common, the woman with the hemorrhage, lepers, paralytics, all of them, they realized that they needed Jesus. And because they came to realize that they needed Jesus, they went to see Jesus. They went to find Him. They went to find Jesus. They had heard about Him. And they realized Jesus had something to offer them. And the shepherds in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 2, they went to see Jesus, their Savior, because they needed a Savior. They realized that they needed a Savior because they, like all people, need a Savior. And what we learn in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus in His mission, He came for that purpose. In Luke chapter 5, in Luke chapter 5, and in verse 30, when Jesus is associating with these people who are unclean, the, the lepers and the paralytics, these people who would have been ritualistically unclean when He began to Eat with sinners. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 30, the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at His disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? 
That's how usually false teachers will work. They will not approach you to your face. They will go to your friends. That's usually what they will try to do. And they'll try to lure them away. And isolate you. That's what they do with Jesus. And it's Jesus who was able to hear and know what was being said. And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that He came to help those who need it. And those who had the self-awareness to realize that they needed. That they needed God's grace. They needed God's forgiveness. And so they came to see Jesus. And Jesus healed people of their physical ailments to reinforce the fact that He had come as a prophet sent by God to heal those who are in sin. That was why Jesus came. And those who realize their need for something, they came to Jesus to see what He had to offer. Jesus our Savior offers a path of repentance, forgiveness, and salvation. Why would you not want to go see Jesus? That's a question that only you can answer today. A third thing that we see that the shepherds do in Luke chapter 2 was after they arrive to see Jesus, they leave. And when they are there and when they leave, they tell people about Jesus. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You see that they are taking the responsibility that this is a privilege that God has made known something to us. And you see that they react. They go quickly to find Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in verse 17, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They have this sense of obligation, this sense of duty that we need to tell people about what has happened to us and our experience. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, heard and seen just as had been told them. Well, the shepherds, they come and they tell Mary and Joseph about the angelic appearances. And what you see these shepherds do, they abandon their job as shepherds and they become evangelists, don't they? They become people who tell others about Jesus. You see, that is the natural progression that we are seeing. After you hear about Jesus, you go to see Jesus. After you see Jesus, 
Then you tell others about what you have seen and heard. You tell others about Jesus. These become the first heralds for Jesus that they had been told good news and now they are sharing that good news with others. They are telling people how God was working through Jesus. And you have to think about at this point, up to this point, the circle who knew about Jesus and His significance was fairly small. Now these lowly shepherds know about Jesus and they are announcing what God is doing. And so these shepherds, they really become in many ways the first disciples to evangelize and share the gospel of God's salvation through the Savior. So it is not, again, out of character And whenever Jesus tells His apostles at the close of the Gospel of Luke that they need to stay there in Jerusalem and that they will be the ones who herald the Gospel. That they will be preaching about the salvation that God is offering in Luke chapter 24. And in verse 44, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, Now He said to them, These are My words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and He said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. That the apostles, they were witnesses. They had seen what Jesus was able to do. And now they are to be the ones who share and tell others about Jesus. And that is what we find so important about sharing the Gospel. When we share the Gospel and when we share with others about who Jesus is, it makes more disciples. In Acts chapter 14, speaking about Paul's preaching, along with Barnabas, it says, after they had preached the Gospel to that city and had made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. That when we share and preach the gospel, disciples are made. Disciples are made where the gospel is taught. And all disciples, each and every child of God, is to share and spread and tell the Gospel. Tell others about Jesus. Now what I think you see in in Luke chapter 2 with the shepherds, they didn't try to hurry up and come up with some really formal plan. Right? There's no program that they put together in a very quick fashion for this is how we are going to you know, sell the gospel 
They didn't try to come up with some sales pitch. They didn't have time for that, did they? They went and told people very enthusiastically about what God had done. That's evangelism. We know that Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The word gospel, it's the Greek word euangelion. All disciples are called to preach the gospel, the euangelion. And I bring up that Greek word because I think we will see something here in just a moment. That someone who shares the gospel, we call them an evangelist. Evangelist and gospel in the Greek or in the English, it doesn't look anything remotely close to each other, right? We wouldn't think they're related words at all. But in Greek, they are. The gospel is Greek word euangelion. Someone who shares the gospel and preaches the gospel is an evangelist, a euangelist. You see the commonality in the shared word there, don't you? Evangelism is gospelism. Disciples become gospelizers. That we share, we talk about the gospel. That we need to be sharing and telling people about Jesus. That's what the gospel is. It's not a sales pitch. Evangelism is not a sales pitch. Evangelism is a zealous sharing of what you have seen, what you have learned, and what you have experienced by your interaction with Jesus Christ. Evangelism should not be something that we twist people's arms to have to do. It should be one of the most natural things that we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And so this is what we see from the shepherds in their first encounter with this good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard about it. They went to see Jesus and they told others about it. But also would be remiss if we did not point out some of the benefits of the Gospel. Some of the benefits of hearing the Gospel and some of the benefits of obeying the Gospel and some of the benefits of sharing the Gospel. These are very simple. If you would turn back to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2 and in verse 10, on that night when Jesus was born, and the angel appeared to them in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. The gospel gives your, you a reason to no longer be afraid. When you hear about Jesus Christ, you don't have to be afraid of Satan of sin, or the judgment to come. Instead, because of the Gospel, you can have great joy. Your fear is turned to joy. 
Because you have a reason to rejoice in the salvation that God brings through Jesus, His Son. A second benefit that we can learn is that salvation is here. In verse 11, For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born. Salvation is here. Our Savior has come. And when we hear the good news about who Jesus is, we come to realize that there is salvation. Salvation is offered. That God has sent His Son to this earth. He sent Him to suffer through temptation. And to go to the cross to die for you and for me as we have talked about and as we pointed out in our observance of the Lord's Supper. Jesus went to the cross for us. Salvation is here. Our Savior came to fulfill what God wanted to be accomplished so that we could have a right relationship with the Lord. And a third benefit from hearing the Gospel is that there is peace with God. The angels pronounced glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. There is peace that we can have with God. Peace that passes all understanding. It comes from our faith, our trust in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. These benefits can be yours today. If you will come believing in Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God who went to the cross to die for you, your fear can be turned to joy. You can be saved from your sins and you can have peace with God. If you have never become a Christian, if you have never been baptized in water, we would encourage you to come today to receive those benefits. Maybe it is that you have made those steps to become a Christian, but you've not been living faithfully, living in accordance with those things that you have been given, the the benefits of following Jesus and hearing the Gospel. And you've turned back into sin. We want to help you come back to the Lord. If we can help you in some way this morning, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?